I've changed my makeup. Did you notice? Hello and welcome to Something Rotten. This is our Suda season where Blake and I have just finished playing uh, maybe our collective favorite game we've covered on the podcast thus far, at least since Max Payne 3. Uh, but Killer7 is in the rearview mirror and we're uh, we're taking on a different kind of beast. Blake, uh, what's, what's your experience been with No More Heroes before we introduce our, our lovely guest that we'll talk about uh, a whole bunch more? Hey, man, you know, like... It, we we fucked up the order. We shouldn't have gone chronological. I think if we started with No More Heroes, I'd be like, all right, cool stuff. Expectations set. But w- when you start with Killer7, like, it, it's like if you have a filet mignon, even a really good meal is still a downgrade afterwards. It's true. It's like the most stylish game we've ever played. It's like, hey, this has some, this has some stuff going on. <laughs> hey, this is a game too. <laughs> this is truly a game. You know? <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's just I'm I'm we'll get into it over the next hour, but there's a certain amount of whiplash I had to learn to accept coming off Killer 7 with this one. That is uh absolutely true. But um neither you nor I are really um pros at this game. I mean, it's our first time playing through it, right? right. Unless you're holding something back. Mm-mm. Um and I thought, you know, we need a real pro on this. And so, joining us today is uh, Susie Hunter, a.k.a. The Sphere Hunter on YouTube, um, a, a very talented creator who both Blake and I have referenced, I think, on the show and also just uh, between ourselves when we're talking uh, quite frequently. Susie, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you. Hello, everyone. Yeah, it's great to be here. Um, I know uh, we've kind of like gone back and forth, Jacob, about like doing a podcast at some point, so I'm glad that I'm finally here, and I'm glad that it's about No More Heroes 1, because it is definitely... Um, one of my faves. I love it a lot. Yeah. So I, I messaged you like, um, Hey, you want to come on talk about the first half? Uh, just so you know, you don't have to replay it. And you told me, uh, well, I've played it 10 times. (laughs) So I probably have a pretty good working knowledge of it. Yeah. I've played it 10 times. Uh, like every version of it too. Like even the lesser quality PS3 version. So did you... (laughs) Did you come to the game when it was uh, initially released, like, on the Wii? Um, I did, but it wasn't day one. It wasn't a day one purchase. Um, but I I learned about it because of Killer7. Mm-hmm. Um, because around the time Killer7 was coming out was when RE4 was coming out, as everyone knows, Capcom, Capcom 5 and all that. Um, so yeah, I remembered, you know, really loving RE4. And seeing like Game Informer magazines about Killer7 and just being like, oh, it's a new Capcom game. It's going to be so cool. Wow. I played it, had my entire life changed. That's also one of my favorite games. I've also played it like five times. Uh, but then that that kind of introduced me to Suda's work. And when I think about a year after um, No More Heroes uh, came out was when I finally played it and fell in love with it. That's awesome. I mean, I'm I am so glad that you also are familiar with Killer Seven because, uh, like, I love it. like we said at the <laughs> beginning, um, it was sometimes it's kind of a dice roll to play a game that it's like, hey, everyone thought this was stylish, uh, sixteen years ago or whatever. Um, are we going to feel the same way in 2023? 
and uh, both Blake and I were just like totally blown away. Yeah, I would say it's not very approachable just sure. with its control scheme, yeah. you know, because mm-hmm. it's just like, how do I move? Oh, the A button. Okay, great. The giant A button. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's definitely one of my faves. And I feel like it's kind of like, I know this is like a pretentious thing to say, but it's kind of like a fine wine. Like the yeah. more time that passes, the better it gets for me. Like I'll, I'll take something new from it every single time I play it at a different stage in my yeah, life. Yeah, and, you know, just just thematically, it's like we still, the whole the whole plot line about it being like, okay, terrorism is over. Uh, JK, yeah. <laughs> terrorism's definitely not over. was like, you know, yeah. relevant then, still relevant now. Yeah, definitely. Ugh. For, for uh, better or for worse. <laughs> Relevancy. Great. It's funny hearing you talk about the controls because we played on mouse and keyboard where things are like fine, but... It doesn't want to give you too oh, much. Yeah. It doesn't want to give you too much ease of access. It doesn't actually display any of the uh, keyboard controls. Even if you're using keyboard, you have to determine like what would the right trigger on an Xbox controller be on a keyboard. And uh, mm-hmm. Suda's philosophies that way too. Yeah. Also, No More <laughs> Heroes has no controller display. It's like game accessibility has come a long way in a short time. Does it not? On on I'm playing on Switch where I feel like it does. On on PC, I can't even find like a picture <laughs> of the Xbox controller to tell me like what buttons do. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, so fun fact, the PC version will also just display the wrong buttons if you cuz like there'll be like the jobs that'll be like, "Oh, just mash the x button or whatever mm-hmm. and i'll do that and it'll be like the y button that i have to press so it's like okay great <laughs> honestly i've been switching between xbox playstation and switch so often that it's like i don't know what any of the buttons are anymore my yeah. brain is completely broken yeah they're just weird symbols <laughs> at one point starting this game it told me to press the zl button on the switch and that was a trip trying to figure out what the <laughs> fuck a zl was that's the look that's the grab button on super smash bros melee obviously oh how could i be mistaken jacob about the zl <laughs> um okay so no more heroes uh, let's let's talk a little about development, which is mainly I want to list off uh, the things that Suda has said this game is inspired by and get y'all's reactions because it's very fun. Okay. Uh, but he did say that he came up with the idea of the game like uh, shortly before Killer Seven was released. So one of the kind of one of the things that I've been thinking about here is like Killer Seven is so. Uh, politically ambitious it's so kind of like internationally focused and this you know without making a qualitative judgment is like a much smaller uh focal point for just like what the story is about and so it's interesting to think that like it wasn't like years after killer seven and he had kind of tamped down his ambitions it was just like another thing he was thinking about Mm -hmm. so what was he inspired by uh well the name no more heroes comes from a UK punk band, The Stranglers. They have both an album and a song called No More Heroes, uh, which is a good song. I listened to it the other day. It is very, it's very, fun. Very appropriate for this game. It's mm-hmm. pretty punk rock. Um, Travis Touchdown, the main character, was inspired by the wrestler Josh Barnett, but more specifically, and maybe more to your tastes, Blake, uh, very specifically based on Johnny Knoxville. Like, he cites this many times. You know, uh, here's the thing. Johnny Knoxville, uh, a wealthy man, I would have to assume, is owed money (laughs) from at least two big 
game companies because he was also one of the uh, inspirations for, get this, Nathan Drake. Is that true? Yeah, so they're ripping my man's likeness off and not paying up. So Suda, Neil Druckmann. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Knoxville always sliding toward a ledge going, no, 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 no. Okay, I mean, here's the thing about Johnny Knoxville, though, is I think it has less to do with him and more just to do with, like, the typical idea of an attractive white man, which is most video game protagonists. It's like, ah, he's good enough. An, an attractive white man who's willing to, like, put himself through great injury. You know, that's a good point, actually. And I guess when you consider the buffoonery of Travis Touchdown, there's more, like, narrative cohesion than Nathan Drake there. Yeah. He is a buffoon Suda denies that the uh, beam weapon was based on Star Wars and instead says that he was inspired by Spaceballs which is of course the Star Wars parody Um, Sylvia was apparently inspired by Scarlett Johansson Okay. Um and and my favorite one is the the city of Santa Destroy which the game takes place in. Uh Suda says that uh he's based it on San Diego, but he also said, you know, San Diego like in Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry is a movie that takes place entirely in San Francisco. Yep. So amazing. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> Interesting to not hear him bring up James Gunn. Because I feel like we're entering the James Gunnification of Suda 51 at this era, where it feels very James Gunny to me. And I know they're like friends because he they've worked together. What what was help me out here? What was James Gunn's like early work? Because I'm kind of unfamiliar to, prior to his like big superhero movie. He dumb. he made um Slither. Oh right, movie. yeah yeah. Um, he also did Super, I think. The, mm-hmm. the like act, the realistic depiction of what a superhero would be like right which did that did come out a little after this game yeah and i believe he did like a bunch of trauma movies yeah i i've consulted the intrepid reporters over at letterboxd who are going to tell us what he was doing around this time um well he did hamster psa we're all familiar with that one uh slither would have come out right before this so maybe yeah this does predate james gunn so maybe it's the other way around and james gunn was suda informed i mean they're just they're just on intersecting pads and they run into each other and make lollipop chains off. Yeah, yeah yeah it's weird actually yeah like a lot of this game like predates a lot of james gunn's most notable work other than slither so i take back what i said um some some other just choice uh pseudo quotes on uh no more heroes uh he said travis is a little similar to me if i had been an american otaku what kind of life would i have led Probably I would have become an international assassin, which I think is a very funny quote. Uh, yeah. But then this is this is particularly relevant to something rotten. He said he wanted to make a game as or more violent as Manhunt 2. He specifically said that, which we talked a lot about Manhunt 2's complete like ratings clusterfuck. And so it's like, it's funny that he did that. He, I think he uh, achieved it in some ways, but like the game is so slapstick that in, it's also not quite as violent. Does that make sense? You can be very funny with gore and it cannot actually feel that violent. Yeah, we talked about like some of the stuff, the reason that Manhunt 2 got like AO ratings was because they were like, you're unrepentant or like the character isn't seen like, you know, having bad things happen to him for the violence. And so it's, 
it's like it's not it's not simply blood that causes a rating but it's just like what a bad game to kind of reference in a very funny way and importantly two very adult games that came out for the nintendo wii which was a console that did not have many uh m-rated games at all manhunt one is the better one that's the one he should have referenced yeah i don't know why i don't know why he chose to but i I was gonna add to your guys point like i feel like no more heroes is very unique in it's like gore and slap stickedness if that's a word yeah yeah. that when like there there are certain points like throughout the game and we'll talk about it later where like something gory will happen but it's like bookended by like a silly moment that Mm -hmm. makes it feel like more disturbing to me i'm just mm-hmm. like what is ha- like why is this being played like this this is so weird like well there there to your point like there is the cutscene with the i don't remember his name he's the like superhero type boss and like there's a nonchalance with which travis kills him at the end which i think is supposed to be yeah. a joke but the way he like just like can barely muster the energy to kill this guy but yet cuts him entirely in half i was like yeah That's actually yeah. kind of fucking disturbing and and it is it is worth noting that there were actually multiple versions of this, which mm. kind of, in the way that blood is sometimes um, adjusted, it's like sometimes it's more like black goo that shoots out of yeah. enemies. I think yeah. in like the, oh, the Japanese sure. and European versions, they had like different ones. But now if you buy it on PC or Switch, it's going to be the the, the blood version. We're interrupting this broadcast to let you know that something rotten is dead. We're doing What? Starting immediately, something rotten is done. Finished. Gone. Bon voy freaking Oz, Jacob. This podcast is now a Leo Vader fan cast. Every week, we're covering all the latest, hottest, and juiciest news about the Minneapolis movie maker. And if you've seen him, you best believe there's plenty of hot news to talk about. We're, like, as much as I love him, we're not going to do that. Uh, But if you like Leo so much, have you considered signing up to Nebula? To what now? Nebula. Nebula is this wonderful streaming service run by creators with exclusive videos, podcasts, shows, the whole nine yards. I'm on there. Leo Vader is on there. Blake, you're on there. Is that what these checks are from? My God. Okay, here's the deal. When you sign up to Nebula using our code, nebula.tv slash something rotten, you get immediate access to early and ad-free episodes of this show and exclusive bonus podcasts featuring guests such as Noah Caldwell-Gervais, Gareth Damian Martin, and Chris Bratt. You also get access to Nebula's entire catalog of creators and content, and your money goes directly towards us making the show better. Do you think Leo feels about me the way I feel about him? I think a better question is, does Leo know you exist? I've literally pooped in his bathroom. I would sure hope so. Um, and for me, I remember I I hadn't played this until now, but I like saw it when it came out. And like I feel like this game's iconic imagery is those those blood spouts you know like that's what i remembered about no more heroes is like oh it's that game where you cut off a guy's head and like just blood shoots like 40 feet in the air yeah and they even like do it in the cutscenes too like when (laughs) like if a like after a boss dies it's just like a geyser of blood (laughs) yeah which feels also i feel like very i mean i know like kill bill is a movie inspired by uh many like pieces of japanese media but like i always think of kill bill in terms of that just like blood geyser uh Mm -hmm. and and he didn't i don't think he specifically referenced it but it certainly seems within the realm of possibility yeah it definitely feels like it yeah well with killer seven remember we read in that book he got mad that someone said he referenced kill bill so i think he's actually got it out for tarantino because he was like no 
Killer Seven is not inspired by Kill Bill. That's funny, and and it's like with how many things he is so open about referencing. Yeah. Maybe we should just assume that if he hasn't said it, uh, it is not <laughs> not relevant. Yeah. I um uh, I have a fun fact about No More Heroes. Yes. All right, so check this out. In uh, Golden Guy, which is a drinking area uh, in uh, Kabukicho, which is for for the gamers out there, the real world equivalent <laughs> of Kamurocho from the Yakuza series. Um, there is a bar that Suda loves called Bar Plastic Model. And I know this because of the Archipel. Shouts out to Archipel, the greatest to ever do it. They make video game documentaries. Uh, they, they have a profile of him. He goes to Bar Plastic Model. It's a great time for all, all parties involved. That bar is in No More Heroes. It's the bar you can go drink at. It's like literally just their sign, their logo is Bar Plastic Model. I just That's thought that awesome. was a fun touch. Yeah. As far as I know, there are no other real world establishments in it. It's just that one like four seat bar. So shouts out to them. Friend of the show. Yeah, he did reference. It's like that motel. He's like, oh, it's the motel from Memento. It was another like <laughs> film reference. Here is, I have been forgetting to tell this story. And I am so glad you told me that because it, it reminded me. I, the closest uh, interaction that I've had with Suda in my real life is when I was at Game Informer, when I was an intern at Game Informer, he came to the offices and I did not meet him, but I heard kind of what happened where um, Leo was there wearing our, our friend Leo Vader, esteemed YouTuber, um, wearing a uh, a tank top that said sexual like Travis right. from Killer7, which he reportedly... Uh, either did not notice or did not remember was a reference to Killer7. On the other hand, really quick, I hung out with Leo uh -huh. the other day, and he was wearing that shirt, and I was like, wow, what timing, brother? I'm playing Killer7 right now. It's, Incredible. Yeah. Wow. Um, and then he and uh, a bunch of the staff of Game Informer uh, went out to just, like, get lunch somewhere, and Suda uh, drank a lot and fell asleep at the lunch table. King. <laughs> <laughs> Which, look, he had probably been traveling a lot, but it's just like, I just think of Suda getting drunk and falling asleep at lunch in Minneapolis, Minnesota. <laughs> I wonder what bar they took him to. You it know? was probably just, what's that burger place? Oh, Parlor? Yeah, I bet I bet they just took him to get a Parlor burger. Probably. Here's the thing about Game Informer. They love taking people that goddamn fucking basement. <laughs> uh, Su Susie, have you had any real life run-ins with him? Not in person, but I did... There was like a, there was some like kind of um, behind the scenes uh, chatting when uh, NMH three was coming out, mm. which was really cool. Oh, cool! Um, yeah. Also, I completely forgot about the Game Informer connection, and I swear to God, I did not say I read a Game Informer magazine with Killer Seven in it on purpose. Like that's literally <laughs> just what happened. Okay, it's okay. Most <laughs> people don't know I actually work at Game Informer. It's totally. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm behind the scenes. Well, why don't? Why don't we talk a little about Travis Touchdown? Because I feel like he is probably the most interesting figure in No More Heroes. Or at least, it, he's like the game's iconic image is this guy, right? Dude, he's a gamer. Yeah. I can relate. He's a he's a full-blown gamer. The first thing he says in here is gamers. <laughs> Wait, no. The first thing he says is fuckhead, right? Well, that's every gamer's first word. But the next word he said <laughs> is gamers. <laughs> Yeah, when I first played this game, I did not stop saying fuckhead. Like, I kept saying it <laughs> over and over again for about a year. Last week with Killer7, or, you know, a couple weeks ago, we talked about, like, how one of the things that, that Suda and the other writers on Killer7 are, like, 
surprisingly good at writing just straight up dialogue and like having different characters have very distinct uh voices and you know feel different than each other and whatever and like for I, even though i think this game is kind of a step down from killer 7 in a lot of story aspects like the characters are still really distinct and interesting here i think it is probably the game's you know like one of its greatest strengths and like Travis is really good at being uh, just like a fucking asshole, you know, like it is, I feel like it's rare to play a game and have the main character be just like such an unrepentant, like annoying guy. Yeah, it's really interesting because I feel like as the game progresses, like he becomes less of an asshole, but not really. <laughs> not really. I, um, yeah, this like the tone of No More Heroes is admittedly not my thing i I've, I've gone through peaks and valleys where i started kind of high on it then dipped and then the end of rank the rank five fight has like fully kind of brought me back on board because it was so interesting mm -hmm. that said i can recognize that like the writing is way stronger than most things in this tone not by suda i just mean in general where the writing kind of seems like like the the actual writing seems like a second thought compared to just like the crassness, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like there seems to actually be thought to who Travis is, who Sylvia is, who these character, who these like bosses are with only one cutscene to their name. Like they all seem more fleshed out than not that they deserve, but then most writers seem to think this kind of material deserves. Does that make sense? It does. I agree. Like he is he is a specific mm -hmm. character. He's not he's not just like any any kind of annoying guy. He is like a very specific annoying guy who has particular interests and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's like painfully interested in like a few different things. <laughs> yeah, he loves he loves wrestling, which seems like every Suda game uh is going to have some connection to wrestling, which is where he started. Hold on. Let me jump in. Yes. Uh <laughs> did you notice? This is for the suit heads only, Jacob. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if you apply here. I don't know what I don't oh, know if you're wow. a card carrying oh, no. member of the Suda team. <laughs> oh did when you pick up the masks, which give you special moves, did you notice who they're freaking signed by? Initials MS. Mask Day Smith. Oh ho! There you go. I I kind of assumed it was, but I didn't like I I didn't actually put those two things together. Uh, you can't you can't get something like that by me. I'm a true suit head right here. Played one and a half of his games. Okay, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to break the illusion for you. Oh no, it's not it's not Mask Day Smith. It's actually Morio Smith from Super Fire Pro Wrestling. Now that's how you know Susie's a real suit ahead right there. And I am <laughs> I'm so sorry this. I had to do that. Uh, no, keep hold me accountable. <laughs> well, I I mean, is it is Mask the Smith like is Mask's whole character in Killer Seven just a reference to that guy? Kind of, kind of, but yeah, we'll go with that for now. <laughs> this conspiracy runs deep. <laughs> it is just fun to see how how much like wrestling is just going to play like we talked in killer seven it was like wow mask is getting like a lot of screen time compared to the other smiths here yeah, yeah. and and here it's like yeah travis is going to learn a new wrestling move every level no matter what uh how'd that first cutscene hit you all because it's weird Almost. Do you mean? Do you mean like the attract screen cutscene where he basically gives the background of the story? 
Uh-huh. Where I would say, despite how well-written we think the rest of this game is, I didn't find this part particularly great because I had to watch it twice to be like, hold on, why is he doing what now? Uh, it throws you in at a speed that is like, was this an afterthought or is it intentionally vague? I kind of admire how in media res the game opens which is just you know like that it truly does it throws you in with so little explanation and i think kind of one of the interesting things about the story is like so very very generally travis is is killing his way through like a series of ranked assassins until he can be number one and it starts with him killing like number 11 or 10 or whatever and like there is no there is almost no explanation given and the game like doesn't it, it doesn't seem for all Travis's specificities like it doesn't really need to explain why he's doing this it just sure. seems like it's like you know what he's just a guy and he bought this lightsaber on eBay and like he decided this would be a thing to do yeah maybe maybe it just caught me off guard i don't know i think they really relied i don't know if you guys have seen it but before the game came out there was kind of like a an origin story type trailer oh, no, for no, the no. game but they but they also kind of like reference it in in the sequel which we won't talk about right now but um yeah like so i feel like that might be like a byproduct of like well you know in our grasshopper craziness like you should have watched this before playing this game yeah, yeah like when you play killer seven you should have read the novel that didn't come to america to yeah, explain the rest of it <laughs> of course but yeah, I, I do I do really enjoy how uh, sudden it all is mm-hmm. and just like slapped together. Yeah, I mean, it's like for, for a game that uh, has you spend a lot of time doing uh, meaningless bullshit, uh, <laughs> you know, like the beginning is really like you crash a motorcycle into the gates of a mansion, you cut off two dudes' heads, and within five minutes you're like fighting a boss with a big flaming sword you know it does it does yeah. throw you in really fast yeah and it's it's really interesting too because like it is so video gamey mm-hmm. and and you know travis just like addresses us uh yeah, yeah. It, like personally in mm-hmm. the opening cutscene. but um that that whole boss fight is so like weirdly depressing too mm-hmm. like with the with his narration like Travis's narration it kind of gives you like an insight into um his sanity <laughs> like right at the start it's just like oh yeah you are a guy that just bought a lightsaber online and want to kill people uh you're kind of fucked up too at the same time i i playing this like i really wish i had played it or could go back in time and play it when it came out Because I think, like, the way it kind of works as a critique of video games and as, like, I'll see you later, Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Just shut the door. I think the way it works, like, as a critique of video games and, like, the people who play them, I think it is interesting. I think at this point, so many games have come out and done this that it feels rote, which is not the game's fault, right? Like, it is a fault of me coming to it in 2023 instead of 2007. That, like, I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I wish I had played it in the time that it might have felt more unique. That said, I think, like, especially by the next boss fight, I thought it was... Maybe because of how deliberate the writing is and the way it's not like there, it's not really a game that uses metaphors. It's basically like Travis is going to tell you what the game is about in every cutscene. Yeah. That that I found that a bit interesting, where it feels like just like a letter Suda is writing to me, the player, directly. Mm-hmm. But like, Definitely. I I hate that there are parts of it that feel so rote just because I'm playing it in the year I chose to play. Yeah, you know, it it this is it's jumping ahead a little to um like the open world. 
But one thing that I very specifically remember from, like, the discussion when this game came out is, like, this is the kind of first game that I remember people saying, no, this is purposefully dull for a thematic yeah. purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm, I'm sure those conversations were had pre-2007, but, like, the first time that I remember encountering, like, the game mm -hmm. isn't fun for a reason it was talking about, like, Travis mowing the lawn, which I, yeah. has always kind of, like, made No More Heroes have this very particular place in my memory as, like, a, a game doing something on, like, a, you know, narrative and mechanical level. Yeah, definitely. And I, I remember specifically uh, the um, the X-Play review for this game. <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it felt like Adam Sessler was, like, writing a dissertation about, like, the themes of this mm -hmm. game. And, and that was, like, the first time I had ever, like heard like uh sort of like gaming journalism like mm -hmm. kind of like written about in a in, in in that kind of way yeah that it was um it kind of um made me see the monotony for like what it was like how intentional it, it actually is it's interesting i think we've talked about this on the show before like intentionally tedious game design yeah and i still don't know where i fall on it because it's like from a thousand yard view like i respect it but when I'm playing it, I'm like, well, I still have to spend 12 hours with what you created. Yeah, and I mean, it, it's also that thing of, like, when you hear quotes from Suda, like, about this game in retrospect, he's like, we had to make it in two years with 30 people. You know, yeah. like, I don't actually think that it's, like, that intentional. I think it's kind of a function yeah. of, like, low budget yeah. and crunch. I've been thinking about that is a lot, too, because and we I don't think we have the answer to this. If, like... When they set out on the project, they were like, all right, we got two years and 30 people. They make the choice to make it tedious then. I think that's a really interesting choice. If yeah. that's like a retrospective thing they're saying after they just couldn't make the game at the scope they wanted to, right? then it's an excuse. But it's like, oh, we don't have the answer to whether it's a genius or just like a 15-year excuse he's been giving at this point. And I honestly, I feel like it could be a bit of both. Like mm -hmm. maybe they set out to kind of like make you feel like you're living Travis's life, but yeah. it definitely comes comes into question when you get further in the game and it's like, okay, I needed that much money to yeah, pay yeah. for the next fight. I think that is one of the game's funniest bits, just in mm -hmm. terms of, like, this weird setting that it has created, is, like, it is so funny that Travis needs to pay $250,000 <laughs> for the privilege of going to murder someone. And, and even in, like, in, in kind of the first proper uh, boss fight when you're, killing that guy who's like singing in the baseball stadium travis is like yeah, Wait, yeah. this is where my fucking money went to and yeah. buy this guy this baseball stadium <laughs> and it's like that is that is hilarious in the kind of like nihilism of like why would any of this assassination like organization work the way it does it just doesn't make any sense yeah like why would it exist at all mm -hmm. <laughs> if this is what we're doing yeah. i think like the game operating as like a critique of video games which is crazy to think about this in 2007 because i think the problem has only gotten worse in big budget video games in the ensuing 10 to 15 years but it is like interesting thinking about it in terms of like you buy a video game to get a kind of a similar ish experience and then travis the writing kind of, I think, goes back and forth too much as Travis occasionally will be, like, very bored by the killing. 
And then he'll like the next cutscene, he'll be like wanting to sleep with Sylvia again. And it's like, okay, like figure yeah. out, figure out which tone you're going for. But in the moments where it's like, okay, I paid all this money to just do the same damn thing over and over again. And then you have the protagonist killing the big boss being like, okay, fucking whatever. I don't really feel good in this moment. I'm kind of bored. I, like that part is really interesting to me. I'm like, that is crazy to make your protagonist be like, how boring. <laughs> you know, that's really yeah. cool. Some moments he's also just like, this is kind of sad too. Yeah, <laughs> Why yeah, am yeah, I yeah. doing this again? But then yeah. the next one, he goes back to just being like a pervert. And I'm like, I figured the tone out. Like, how, how can yeah, you bounce back and yeah. forth like that? Well, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about Sophia and Travis a little because kind of it's his most concrete uh, motivation. He says it in the first cutscene with her <laughs> is he's like, uh, so, so, he kills he kills this first assassin guy. He's kind of like whatever. Uh Sylvia comes, who is this very sexy, like representative of the assassin organization, and he's like, if I reach number one, will you do it with me? Like that <laughs> that is the literal line in the game. And and Sylvia kind of doesn't, you know, doesn't really tip her hand one way or another, but it's like it is very much Travis is just completely obsessed with this this sexy assassin organization lady and he wants to fuck her and like that's <laughs> that seems to be his primary drive at a lot of points and it is very hard for me to decide how I feel about this plot point. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's really bizarre. And it kind of goes back to the thing where it's like, I don't know, maybe the, the the goofiness and like bizarre nature of it all is kind of intentional because it yeah. does really just feel like how like, you know, he starts the game addressing us. He's immediately like if you walk around his apartment for like two seconds, you're like, oh, you're like an otaku, mm -hmm. like painful nerd yeah. to be Who around. Loves porn. Truly loves one porn. Of the biggest plot points is he never returns his porn on time. Yeah, it's amazing. All those little like uh, calls that you get. But yeah, I, I just wonder like how much of it is like kind of like a, a social commentary on like what nerds like. Yeah, you know, and how stupid it would be if you were like a a psycho <laughs> who would go out and like try to kill people for money. Also, just get some some sex at the end of the day. <laughs> it's pretty weird. Yeah, it's like it's undeniably sexist, right? But it's like, is the sexism the point? And I don't know, like, because if it's not, then it sucks. But it's like, is this is the sexism meant as a critique? If so, is it doing it well? I don't necessarily think I'm the person to say yes or no on these yeah. questions. But it's like I I have been wondering that when you're like confronted with these scenes, is he trying to do something smart here, or is this just like? scummy for the sake of putting a like scantily clad woman on screen and i never know where it lands i feel like the game basically wants to have his cake and eat it too you know where it's like i think the stuff that does work is like travis is just uh, a huge virgin annoying guy <laughs> you know he truly he seems like a man who has never had sex in a way that i think is like very funny and works and it's like he is so irritating about this plot point that I do think it works with mm -hmm. with the other aspects of his character, which is, like, he's this annoying guy who's obsessed with, you know, with anime and with porn and doesn't have realistic expectations of women. I, I, I think that the thing that the game does, which a lot of games around this time did, is, like, it cannot help but also leer at Sylvia. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I feel like yeah. it would maybe be easier to be like, okay, obviously this is a critique. If every 
cutscene with Sylvia wasn't also giving like so many yeah. just like scandalous shots of her yeah. that are you know it's it's like the Kojima butt angles where it's just like every camera angle is going to like highlight either her boobs or ass yeah, yeah. it's it's definitely it's one of those things where like Travis is presented as this character who is like purely a joke for mm-hmm. like most of the game's runtime and but then yeah it's like you guys said like it it would work but like it's they also just have these like gratuitous like camera angles and stuff and it by the way it gets way worse on the PS3 version because oh. there's a there's a mode on on that version called very sweet mode where it makes Sylvia dress with even less clothing on <laughs> cool so it's oh. like yeah it's like oh we made a mode to enhance the scumminess of these cutscenes that may or may not be intentionally uh you know done but it's really hard to say like what what the intention was but also i feel like it might be a little bit of like a product yeah. of its time you know because it feels like if you were making games like any time before like i don't know 2015 it was like it almost felt like every game kind of had like a hot lady mandate. It's like, okay, you can have like this really cool, like deep story with like, you know, um, well thought out themes and writing, but you have to put a hot lady in there. Like right. it has to happen, guys. Come on. <laughs> it, this is not like a pseudo specific problem. Like Jacob, you just brought up Kojima, the worst offender yeah. of all this stuff. But like, it, you know, it's like a two steps forward, one step back thing, almost like Olmeda that we talked about with Killer7, where it's like, this level is really interesting and saying a lot of smart things about, like, small town America. And also, it's racist as hell. And why does it have to be both? Like, why did you make the decision to fuck up in the good part? And for yeah. all the, like, interesting stuff going on with Sylvia, it's like, yeah, there are all those parts where it's like, well, you also just want to kind of be horny for your video game character, Suda. Like, you know, like, just commit to the good part and leave the bad part behind. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what you can say is, like, I can think of a lot of video games that came out at this time that had a character exactly like Sylvia, and the protagonist was not like Travis. They were yep. supposed to be a cool guy that you just unequivocally wanted to be. Mm-hmm. So, like, yes. there is there is certainly more happening here than than in you know the just kind of like any any random game you picked off a shelf, which would have yep. a character designed kind of like Sylvia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting too because I don't know how how familiar you guys are with this, but there there have definitely been some uh, interviews with Suda where he's kind of like like ever since like you know after No More Heroes like he he kind of like got this like reputation for for being this kind of like schlocky guy when he didn't really like want to be remembered that way. So I feel like a lot of his games after a certain point have kind of like veered away from those like gratuitous themes like yeah. especially after um shadows of the damned and um uh, lollipop chainsaw because those games are like historically not his vision if that yeah, makes yeah. Sense. it's kind of a bummer right because it's like i think before jumping into this season like i was interested in playing suda's games but like i had also been inundated by his like i guess at this point more modern reputation yeah which is like scandalous and schlocky and only now have i realized like you know some of that stuff and i think lollipop chainsaw was like publisher mandated that they had to make it more risque and all this stuff and like it's yeah. it's weird like playing killer seven and be like oh I, I don't know that the game is profound but it's way more intelligent than i was expecting and then looking into games like 25th ward and the silver case and it's like okay he's doing a lot of interesting shit here 
And it seems like he's just been kind of a victim of his own products later in his career, which is also not entirely his fault. It's like, it's kind of a bummer that I don't know if he has wrestled with in his games in any way. Oh, you guys, you guys are in for a treat if you're going to play Travis uh, Strikes Again. Oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, I, I, I now having like found a new respect for his work, it's like, I'm also equally bummed out by like the way he is kind of presented in the uh, the gaming sphere, yeah. which I think he leans into still. Like when you watch Grasshopper presentations, like he's fully leaning into that the James Gunnification of himself. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we we talked surreal in our our first Killer Seven uh, episode mentioned the kind of I miss the old Suda meme. Yeah, and you can you can see, and it's like. One of the kind of interesting things about his career is is No More Heroes is, I think, uh, like, absolutely his biggest game in terms of, like, profile and uh, budget and probably, you know, copies sold and whatever. And it is also, like, and I don't say this entirely as a negative, but, like, a very dumb game in a way that, like, <laughs> Killer7 isn't. You know, it yep. kind of, like, revels in how stupid it is, which I think is... A, like totally valid and enjoyable uh, tone to strike and i think the, no more heroes does really interesting things with how dumb it is but like yeah it's yeah. it's stupid in a way that like killer seven definitely isn't and this being your biggest hit might seem like it almost predetermines the kind of games that you have to make in the future yeah, 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 yeah. for sure yeah killer seven is definitely like way more um darkly satirical where it almost gets to like depressive levels so it's kind of like the game that comes right after it is like this big dumb action adventure like romp look at the sexy lady wow ha. Huh? <laughs> yeah it's interesting because i think like he never envisioned no more heroes as a series like it was going to be this one game. Yes, and then yeah, that he said it. that. And then it's like, what? What was the original vision for what Grasshopper did next? Like, does it go back to like visual novels, or what is the history where No More Heroes was not its biggest biggest success? And what does he make mm-hmm. next? But it, we'll never know. Um, well, let's talk about let's talk about some specifics here because I do. There are just like things in this game that I want to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, one of them is so. Between between every, like, big assassination mission, you go back to Travis's motel, and the game's basically like, hey, you need this much money to do the next assassination mission, and basically your ways of doing that are, like, there are some missions where you can go do more combat and get paid, but a lot of them are just, like, odd jobs, and so you spend a lot of time in this game, like, picking up trash, or, like, <laughs> like getting coconuts from a tree... Or, or, you know, like, <laughs> uh, searching for mines on a beach. And it's like, it it is so, they're the most basic mini games, but, like, they have grown on me just in that, like, you do do a different one pretty much every time. Like, mm-hmm. there is a lot of variety. And, like, like we've already talked about, I think the writing of, like, the guy giving you the missions is so strong that I kind of forgive like how how stupid the the mini games themselves are. Yeah, I I've had a lot of time uh, spent with this game, mm-hmm. and I I feel like I could confidently say that I love all the mini games. Uh, maybe not when I first played the game, but yeah, no, they're they're so like silly. I feel like especially as I've gotten older, like yeah, like 
comboing a, a freaking palm tree and like <laughs> you know collecting coconuts is like hilarious yeah. to me and yeah like you said jacob the the dude that gives you all of the jobs is amazing it's like you are the god of picking up pineapples <laughs> and and scorpions in in the desert yeah <laughs> i uh i think i am the gamer this game is critiquing because i'm trying to min max all these part-time jobs yeah like i'm doing the one to unlock the next assassination thing then it's like okay i gotta kill 100 dudes for ninety thousand dollars. i'll just do that over and over until i'm there so i am the problem no more heroes is trying to solve yeah it de- well to your to you know to be fair to you like it definitely gets to a point where it's like okay uh, i need like a million dollars for this one uh, thing so how do i get that as fast as possible like, uh, i can't wrote wait. down the line maybe my favorite incidental piece of dialogue in the game is the um the the guy who gives you your odd jobs says the first rated god will give the hard-working man a little <laughs> smile which which sounds like a katamari piece of dialogue and i just like when that popped up i was like that's right the first rated god will give me the hard-working man a little smile that's right that sounds like that sounds like some like i don't know cold war propaganda <laughs> yeah that too <laughs> um let's see there's so what else i mean so the other the other kind of strange aspect of this game is it is open world like in <laughs> big old quotes because it's like you have a motorcycle this enormous ridiculous doesn't even really look cool motorcycle that Travis rides everywhere um but as as we were kind of talking about with the intentionally dull thing like there's not really anything to do in the world. It is totally just like a get a quest, drive to the quest, drive back to get another thing. Oh, you can work out. Yeah. You can, you can work out. Oh, yeah. You can work out. And you can also f- pick up little rubber balls and then get beaten up by what? a man and learn new wrestling moves. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> what happens with, because I walked into that bar and the guy was like, hey, get all these balls for me. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so what what happens when you do? Um, so yeah, you actually do unlock some pretty um, important like attacks for the for like the gameplay loop, like like um, different uh, different like ways of attacking. Like there's like a there's like a uh, what do you call it? Like a, if you like swing both of the nunchucks, like he'll do like a a big like kind of like stinger attack. Oh. And it's usually a one-hit kill on like most enemies. So I want to say it's worth it to find all the little balls, but it's not worth it, like at all. <laughs> Susie, you have played this ten times, so maybe you can answer this question for me. What is going on with the combat? Because my feeling is still kind of like I feel like I'm missing a layer of it because it's so simple. Uh, <laughs> but I seem like I'm doing fine, and I kind of like. Like here, here's a question. I yeah. keep finding new wrestling moves. Do you choose how to activate those different wrestling moves, or is it just are they just like randomly selected when you stun someone? It's random, yeah. It's oh, totally random. I thought it was. Uh, I thought it was the direction you were coming at the enemy when you pressed the wrestling. It'd be B on. Oh, maybe. Because I think I, maybe. I think that's what's <laughs> happening. Like if you're behind an enemy, it'll be different. You'll do like I think the suplex. But I don't know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But there, yeah, yeah, you'll definitely run into moments, though, when, like, a guy is, like, laying on the ground. And then All when right. you do it, he's immediately standing back up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like he just pops back up. 
Um, yeah, the combat is, it has some depth to it. Um, I feel like it's like premier feature that nobody talks about is the dark step, which is like the perfect dodge. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I just Where get you... accidentally on yeah. occasion. Oh, yeah. So there's a really easy way of getting it. And you just, like, if you're playing with like a controller, you just rock the controller left and right, or uh, the, the control stick left and right. And you get it every single time. <laughs> so there are definitely things about the combat system that look like depth, mm. but it's I don't know if I don't know if I would say it's like a, a devil may cry competitor. If right. You know what I mean? Right. right, right. <laughs> I would say it's not. I, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. <laughs> don't know if I would say that, but yeah, it's it is very very simple. But I feel like maybe that was just for the the uh, the nunchuck controller sure you know Mm -hmm. because because the way it works is um if you guys remember um you basically there's like a high and low stance um to combat and i think they mapped those just to buttons on if you play with a controller so you you would literally have to like either point the wiimote up or down to get your different attacks it it was very gimmicky for sure like it's simplicity comes with its gimmicks like you know like throwing the nunchucks forward to to do a stinger and all that kind of stuff. I wonder if I should try playing with the Joy-Cons detached. I wonder if that'll mimic any of that. That's how I played the... Okay. The, oh, yeah, uh, because the, the, the Switch, Switch does have motion controls, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's basically the same experience. Um, I guess more accurate, though, uh, as the Wii, because oh, okay. there's not a sensor bar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, because one of the things that I was looking up, because I was like, what am I missing here, is there are... There's like the baseball mini game where you're supposed to oh hit my the ball God. and like yeah. get it to go through all those guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm just playing on a controller. And I was like, I have no idea when I hit it. Like, on it, I have a good hit that has the baseball go through like yeah. four guys or not. Mm-hmm. And I looked at forums and they were like, yeah, I think it's coded just incorrectly because what's supposed to happen is it's based on how hard you swing the Wii mode yes. or switch controller but obviously i'm just pressing a and so like there's no there's no strength in it yeah i don't think they um <laughs> really thought about that when they were porting it for uh consoles with controllers but yeah it is it's a lot easier if you have some kind of motion control because yeah it is but it's easier but it's also scary because i'm like i am going to throw this fucking thing across the room one day (laughs) i know it look i know it this is no shade to the people who work at grasshopper who i think make some (laughs) excellent games but maybe come out uh, a little underbaked at times the other day jacob diego who's been on the show before was on the darkness 2 uh messaged me about why he had never played killer 7 and it was because uh, the game had a bug that if you didn't have a processor with at least two cores, the second level would just stop loading past a certain point. And so Grasshopper, <laughs> sometimes the game comes out with some baffling uh, mistakes. Have they them. never addressed that? I have no clue. But it uh, oh no, it strikes me <laughs> as uh, just uh, perhaps programming a certain part wrong so that one of your mini games is just not, not playable for the majority of your uh, audience after the week. Yeah, and, and just like a, a PSA for anyone who is having problems with the PC version of Killer7, mm-hmm. uh, just uh, leave your dreams behind because, uh, you know, getting that game ported was a miracle because <laughs> yeah, Capcom yeah. owns it. Yeah. <laughs> so. um, I, I think one of the one of the most obvious ways that this is a Wii game that is ported is um, almost, I mean, essentially every single enemy has to be taken out with a quick time event um, and you kill easily hundreds of them, you know, per, per like level or encounter. And 
it is, you know, it's like you weaken them and then it shows a big arrow and presumably on the Wii you would swipe in the direction of that arrow uh, on on the, you know, controller. I'm just moving the stick in one direction or another, like yeah. the world's most basic revengeance. Um, and yeah. then, and here, here's another thing. It's like, is this a stylistic decision or is this just uh, something that happened? Every single enemy makes the same scream when oh they my die. God, yeah. And it is <sighs> maddening. <laughs> it's like, I've never felt worse for playing a game with volume on just in are my you, house. <laughs> are you playing on PC again? Yeah. Like, Oh my god. Okay, so I'm pretty sure there's also a sound bug for that. <laughs> like, so it's like mistakenly louder than it should be. The death scream of all the enemies. Well, that, and and I will tell you <laughs> there is no option to uh specifically adjust that kind of sound in the yeah. menu. On Switch, at least, maybe it's the same on all the releases when you go into a combat encounter, I'd say 99% of the time they will yell the same there he is. Yeah, there he is. It doesn't matter how <laughs> So it's equally as maddening just hearing that over and over and over. Yeah. I kind of love how, I don't know, just disgusting the enemy barks are in that game. Like, <laughs> yeah, they, they like, sound bad. They're just like, there he is, that piece of shit. And it's just like, why are you so mean to me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know I'm going to kill you, but like, please. Yeah. yeah and it's like, I, I will say with the uh, same enemy death scream over and over, like, it does feel very distinctly arcadey, you mm -hmm. know, in a way that I think yeah. they would actually be satisfied by. Is like, it does it does turn enemies into just, like, nothing on the screen. You know, it's like, never never do I consider that I'm killing humans. It's just these, like, random little pop-ups that yeah. all make the same noise when they die, yeah. which is, you know, thematically fitting with what Travis is doing, but it doesn't mean that it's uh, not still very annoying to listen to. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's really interesting that he kind of sees real life as a video game, but good God, please vary this shit, like, a little bit. Yeah, yeah this is, this is like the psychopath version of uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon. You mm -hmm. know, it's like Ichiban sees yeah. the world as a video game and does good, and Travis is a, is a murderer. He's a horrible person, yeah. All this said, the music, on the other hand, good as heck. Pretty sure- Oh, the music's so good. Pretty sure it's the same composer so as uh, Killer7, so- good stuff yeah i believe i believe yep. so i've used this music in several videos before just oh, really? because it's so good uh also a, a like little factoid about the game is that it's one of those like th if you buy the soundtrack it's on three discs like it's just it's like they have every variation of every song in the game oh yeah 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 that's like one of the funniest, uh, uniquely a uh, video game specific things when you buy an OST and you're just like, where, where is all this music in this game? <laughs> what? Occasionally I'll stream for work and I'll put on the Persona 5 soundtrack, which is just like front loaded with heater after heater and everyone like on yeah. the stream is like, God, this is crazy, Blake, you're crushing it. And then I get to the point where it's like every like 30 second clip from the like games you play in your room and it's like oh it's a nightmare and i think oh, they should yeah. not release osts that way including no more heroes you yeah. can leave all that stuff off actually yeah just put it on one disc like all of those <laughs> yeah. things yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so as we as we kind of come come to the close of this pod i want to talk about uh what we haven't talked about so far which is like the bosses which are kind of the the biggest thing it's like this game is essentially a boss rush except you have to like mow grass in between <laughs> each boss but it's clearly it's like all of the money 
uh all of the like like the bosses are all incredibly designed just mm -hmm. aesthetically like all of their kind of looks are so cool the arenas are very big and kind of like killer seven they're not afraid to just do like weird stuff with them which yeah. i find very uh exciting and all the bosses except for one are good yeah, yeah. okay i'll know which one that is oh wait do we <laughs> is it was it the one where you fall in a hole yes that's bad <laughs> oh no i was i was thinking of someone else but oh. i was thinking of let's shake that isn't even a boss oh no that like, one's good that that's a good <laughs> moment that's a great moment in this game that is the yeah. moment where i said oh, i like this game again so that's but a good I wanted boss. to fight him. I wanted to. Oh, uh, that was that was a good cutscene. No, I Yo, don't. Wait, so do you want to do you want to like give before we talk about the one we don't like? Yeah, you want to explain this moment? Yeah, basically, you uh, go to this big showdown with this uh, Mad Max looking reject who's on uh, an atomic bomb with a brain, and you sit through uh, the the game industry's <laughs> longest cutscene, where he does this <laughs> countdown, and you're like, this boss fight is going to be crazy and i mean he's he's yelling like activate motor six yeah you know yeah. The, uh, stabilizers and it's like the machine is doing all this Dude, shit it's like total like uh <laughs> it's like it's like um oh there's like a term for it like a, a mecha porn or cyber porn where it's like you watch ghost in the <laughs> shell and like all the computers look so realistic and you're like it's like this for atomic bombs basically where you're like oh, oh my, my god. god they thought everything out and then a salary man effectively drops out of the sky cuts this dude in half and you're like, oh shit, he's not as cool, but this is going to be a crazy boss now. Like, he's going to be so hard. He just one shot the yeah. other boss I was about to fight and his nuclear bomb with a big old brain on it. <laughs> and then uh, Sylvia shows up and she's like, oh shit, the, the boss is dead. Uh, all right, Travis, you're rank five. And then there's no boss fight. Yeah. And I was like, that's <laughs> yeah. brilliant. That's so good. And Travis is so pissed. And I was like, for a game about the how, for a game about how, um, how boring and uninspired most video games are the like the still the ballsiness of being like hey you're not actually going to get to fight the boss up to this point you're probably the most excited to fight i thought it was like yeah. a brilliant decision i was fully on board with it that entire level is hilarious because yeah. there's literally like a blood in a blood trail yeah, yeah, in yeah. the streets and it leads to like a freaking nuclear bunker mm -hmm. and then it's like just a super long hallway of men and then no boss fight. And it feels like it feels like what we were talking about before where it's like intention versus uh mm -hmm. budget. Yeah. <laughs> where it's like clearly uh maybe they didn't have time or money to make this boss fight, but they were just like we need to keep it. But this you know, in this case it totally pays off. You know, it it's does, like yeah. it absolutely works. Jacob, how upset were you to play this right after your video about uh long things in video games yeah they had that big old hallway <laughs> how bad were you you couldn't include yeah. this fucking hallway i was thinking about that while i was watching your yeah. video i was like any minute now he's gonna bring up this <laughs> super long hallway nope <laughs> yeah i wonder like well the point of your video is like games that don't fake the size and i do wonder like if that hallway is that long or there's some that's tricks to that's it. what i want to do i want to see if there's yeah. like a boundary break yeah no yeah. more heroes video and see if he you know pulls the camera outside it or whatever though the hallway is so long that i did google it to be like am i doing something wrong like yeah it's like is this a puzzle I yeah. was like, no you just have to run down. yeah yeah do i have to like go backwards at some point to, i like yeah <laughs> i think i think the ign wiki used the word excruciatingly to describe how long this hallway took yeah that's very funny um i mean i generally have liked 
Uh, mm -hmm. All of the bosses, in terms of, like, their character, I think the guy singing in the baseball stadium is so funny yeah. and cool. Oh, yeah. His, Dr. His, Peace. <laughs> yeah, his, his boss kind of isn't anything, but, like, just introducing him singing this song yeah. uh, is so good. He's got kind of... A, Dr. Peace has kind of, like, a, a depressing like backstory too yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you like listen to the things he's saying it's just like oh my god his family left him yeah because he's like a weirdo killer guy yeah yeah like it's like accepted in this society but he's just gonna sing <laughs> okay the, great the boss in the school is weird because yes. she thinks you killed her dad it's very unclear her, who her father is uh she th yeah. she thinks you killed her dad you didn't kill her dad but you like her dad but as the player you have no clue who the hell her dad is and then Travis doesn't kill her, but defeats her so he can go the rank up. And then, I, I don't know, is she in the other games? Does she become a character, a bigger character later? Yes. Okay. Okay. She does. Okay. Um, but yeah, that, that boss fight is very uh, jarring when you play it the first time. Yeah. You're just like, what? What is this? Yeah, like, who, yeah. who are these people? Like, dad is, is Travis's mentor, I guess. But it is, <laughs> yeah. It, it is also, it, again, it's like, it's funny in the way that it's just like, Travis is just copying anime plot points where he's, you know, he implies that her dad was like, you know, his mentor. And you can kind of picture like the training montage mm -hmm. that you yeah. would have seen if the story <laughs> was complete, but it's not. And so it's just like, Travis has just kind of made up because also he says, he only watched tapes of him, right? Yeah. Like, that's that's what it's... So it's like, it's just Travis watching TV and learning how to <laughs> wrestle from these guys' like video tapes. Basically, what we're finding out today is Travis Touchdown is a horrible nerd who is a psychopathic killer who loves porn and also has a parasocial relationship with a wrestler man. Yep. And look, <laughs> what gamer can't relate to that, you know? I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then we have we have Destroy Man, who is uh, 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 just kind of a superhero. Um, I do really like superhero way... postman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I well, I love the introduction to him, where he's he's just dressed as like a mailman, and he's like, "Can you just uh, can you turn around for a minute so I can get my yeah. costume, please?" And then you turn around, and he immediately almost kills you, and it's just like, "You idiot! Why would you do that? Yeah, why would you listen to me?" <laughs> Like, and then it pay, but then it pays off like at the end when he's just like how about like a nice little handshake you know and then you <laughs> yeah, just yeah. cut him right in half like <laughs> uh, it's such a good moment what is what is Suda's fascination with the United States Postal Service because <laughs> old Nada is also say, a postal worker I want to say like he I could be wrong about this but I, I, I did read some kind of interview with him before maybe it was in like a grasshopper art book or something but I I know that before he made games he was doing tons of dead end jobs like oh that. yeah yeah, yeah. And maybe yeah. being being in like the Japanese post was a was one of I mean them. the, but I the could most be wrong. dead end job he did of course was being an undertaker <laughs> but yes <laughs> but the postal yes. service might have also been in there <laughs> yes good joke jacob especially an undertaker in japan yeah. oh god yeah. <laughs> like, um and so then kind of the most interesting boss even though she is also like the most annoying to fight is holly summers 
who um how dare you say this about my favorite character in no more heroes this is well, i said she was interesting i just don't like falling in a hole yeah. Yeah. i know it, it makes sense it makes sense she's a great character and you get to see travis not be a fucking douchebag for like two seconds yeah. in this cutscene, but her boss fight is annoying yeah well yeah so, it definitely yeah. is susie tell us Tell us about, like, what you like about her mm-hmm. as a character. You're setting me up right now. I can't believe this. I can't no, believe I'm not. how hard <laughs> you're setting me up no... right now. Uh, I like her design. She has cool hair that looks like my hair. Anyway, she does look <laughs> moving cool. on. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, that That is definitely part of it. But, no, I, I really like how she, in a lot of ways, she is kind of like Travis's turning point in the story. Because um, I feel like after that boss fight, he, he gets a little bit more serious and and a, and a bit more introspective i mean her her boss fight has um one of the things that you mentioned early on which is this like weirdly disturbing moment of gore that in was a the game one, that yeah. is yeah. mostly you know completely cartoonish with gore so the, <laughs> this is gonna sound really silly um because it kind of like negates the point of that i think that they're they're going for where it's kind of like you know this is Travis's wake-up call, his realization to like, oh wow, lives are being lost here. Like this woman didn't have to die. But I like to play the Japanese version because it's censored. The gore is censored, yeah. and you don't get uh the shot of her with like half of her body missing. Oh, wow. Like she's still intact yeah. <laughs> in the Japanese version. That is interesting. Because it it just creeps me out like so much. Like it's just so like disturbing. It, you know, it's very that, shocking. Yeah, so yeah. so what happens at the end of this boss fight is she's it's also it is another thing where it's like Travis's relationship with women is weird where you know she's this like very hot military lady uh Travis is like hey I won't kill you uh he he falls in love with her she's yeah. in love with him whatever <laughs> but he's like he's like I'm not going to kill you and then she puts a grenade in her mouth and pulls the pin and it is like yeah. Credit to the game that we have seen a million dudes' heads fly off in a you know shower of blood, and still I was like, oh my god, when yeah. when this happened. Yeah, and I feel like, and it's so hard to say, right? Because I didn't work on the game, obviously. Um, but I that's where I kind of go back to like maybe the way the female characters are kind of like portrayed in this game is intentional because it is just so like I feel like that might be the most killer seven moment in no more heroes one because it's so like on its face like like um gratuitous you know like her design is sexualized um you know she she's like dominating you and all this kind of stuff but then like her death scene is so shocking you know and it just feels like like i don't i don't know if suda or the writing staff like intentionally like wanted that to be travis's wake-up call but it definitely like was mine and a lot of other players wake-up call like to just be like oh wow this is like honestly like pretty uncomfortable yeah. like what what we've been doing and how we've been like kind of treating human life in this game you know jacob do you know who used to work i i'm sorry i didn't mean to address that just to jacob <laughs> do you both yeah. know who used to work at grasshopper and i believe worked on this game who i'll give you a few hints he looks not unlike travis touchdown and like both of you is a youtuber Oh, Johnny Knoxville? No. No. No, he's a YouTuber. I, I don't know. He why. lived and worked in Japan for a bit. Tim Rogers. 
Oh. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, I just remembered. That he he does look like Travis Touchdown. I, like, oh, my God. I just remembered he worked at Grasshopper, and I, I can't fully verify he worked on this game, though the timing lines up. Giant Bomb has it listed under his game credits, but Moby Games doesn't, so I don't know. Um, gotcha. But just a little fun fact that Tim Rogers used to work there. Wow, I could I could like ask him about that like crazy diatribe I just went on about like yeah. wake up calls and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I can be like, hey, is that what happened? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Potentially. Um, I do. I, unfortunately, I do have to report that in that uh, very uh, moving and emotional scene after she blows her head off. The achievement does pop up that says Beachhead, which I was like, oh, oh my God. No. <laughs> uh, I'm on Switch where you don't get that. And it was a nice. I don't, I don't think from... Nintendo would allow that achievement on their console. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff, Suda. Good stuff. <laughs> a, a true artist, you know? Uh, uh, an auteur, some say. That's No More Heroes. It's just like. It makes you think, and then it makes you not want to think. <laughs> Just like, okay, yeah, yeah, great, cool. Well, I think that's that's basically where we're going to leave off for the first half of the game. Um, uh, Susie, as someone who has played all of the other ones as well, yeah, I think it's like my understanding is like No More Heroes is going to end in a a very specific place, and then there are two more games does this yes. one feel you know like in retrospect does this feel kind of like part of a series or does it still have the vibe of like no more heroes was this game that they kind of thought was going to be standalone and and then the other two are just also exist this game is definitely a standalone uh story it's definitely a standalone game because even you know the uh I would say, you know, without spoiling it, you know, it for the the listener, but like even like two and like No More Heroes two and three, they they have radically different tones, like and and crazier approaches on how they treat specific types of people and and gameplay elements. But yeah, they also have very different gameplay styles. So I believe when they were developing this game, that they just set out to make it, you know, kind of like the rest of their games, like just a standalone product that has loose connections to the rest of um, the series or uh, the rest of Grasshopper's games. Um, But yeah, I feel like if you play No More Heroes 2 right after 1, there's a lot of interesting uh, disconnects for sure. Just with like Travis's character, with like (laughs) plot points that they establish in the first game. And then you're just like, oh, I guess we're just like completely retconning that whole thing, huh? huh? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. We we've talked about doing two and three as a season, but also like Jacob, we should. I think we should do the visual novels. Maybe not Flower, Sun, and Rain. Like I think <laughs> there's more old rot we need to explore before I go back into the James Gunn era of this man. Uh-huh. <laughs> I feel like if you if you go back and then you kind of play every game that comes after them, you will you'll find some pretty meaningful connections. You'll be like, oh wow, cool. That's why. Uh, this happens in Killer Seven, or this is what yeah, yeah. this part of Number no Heroes One is inspired by. Yeah. That is, I I have definitely read enough to know. You know, it's like these are now everything is a connected multiverse right. or whatever. But for sure, this feels more like. Sorry to bring up Tarantino again, but like when you would hear like, "Hey, technically every Tarantino movie takes place in the same universe," and that was like an interesting <laughs> idea, and yeah. not like just 
the way that movie studios think things should function and so i do think that it's interesting that he has all these like connections and characters named the same thing and whatever between all his games yeah totally and and it almost begs the question of like is this supposed to be the same guy (laughs) because like this universe is so goofy but then it can also just be like the most depressing thing uh, ever. Yeah. Know? So it's like, yeah. it's hard to tell what's connected and what isn't, you know? Um, well, Susie, thank you so much for, for coming on the show. We had been talking about having you on for a really long time, and I'm glad that it was for a game that you have played 10 times and have complicated feelings on, but really like, I think, yeah, yeah. overall. Oh, yeah, I love it. I, yeah, I, I definitely love it. I, I own, um, I own uh, Travis's entire outfit in real life. Oh, that so, rules! Oh, that's wow. so cool. Yeah, I would love to cosplay him at some point. But yeah, it, yeah, this was great. Um, thank you guys for having me on. And uh, yeah, I like when I get invited onto podcasts that, of, about things that I know the the thing super well. You know, yeah. Um, <laughs> my really guess nice. is that most uh, most of our listeners are probably familiar with your YouTube channel. But uh, please plug that. And in addition, any other stuff that you're doing these days. Oh yeah, so um. You know, I primarily am a YouTuber. My channel is The Sphere Hunter on YouTube and Twitch, where I make my uh, video essays like like Jacob here. <laughs> and um, I stream on Twitch, but, uh, you know, I'm also on Twitter, which is uh, The Sphere Hunter and Instagram and blah, 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 like all 50 new social medias that we have to have, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I've also been doing a lot of uh, voice work recently, which has been very exciting um i i'm gonna be in cyberpunk which is really cool yeah blake did you know this no holy shit whoa yeah i have my character is modeled after me too so it's like really funny oh to my see God. myself in night city yeah, yeah um but yeah the the most recent thing and and i guess something that the ultimate plug would be um i am working with um way forward and limited run games on a clock tower one port announced yesterday yeah announced yesterday oh, yeah and i i'm nda'd uh to hell but i can't i can't say what i'm doing on it but yeah i just want to put it out there in the world that um if you love survival horror games and and just like ancient ancient horror mm-hmm. games like definitely um look into this upcoming clock tower port if you haven't it is 100 percent accurate to the original game uh but it's got some surprises that i can't talk about oh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> we have i think talked about clock tower on this show um just <laughs> just as a or maybe maybe it's just been when blake and i have been playing Fortnite. but like yeah that <laughs> that kind of like the the survival horror history in that series and you know the basically how little it is talked about now versus like its level of influence is uh is just huge it's it's kind of crazy how how many games have been influenced by that one game yeah Uh, we talk a lot actually about clock tower three i think because of kenji fukasaka who we talk about all the time (laughs) on the show somehow um look and until until next episode where blake and i will be finishing no more heroes uh thank you for listening blake you got anything to say at the end of this episode no (laughs) 